the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now it's time to think and discern. This is Bob Bernie Live. I love the discussions that we can have on this program. Uh, When we agree, when we disagree, as long as we can do it kindly, gently. Uh, And again, I love the differences of opinion. Uh, Before the break... We went to uh, Patricia in Virginia, and we had very little time. But Patricia, what you were saying was so powerful, I wanted to give you the opportunity to finish what you were expressing. So I am honored that you've called, and I want you to pick up right where we left off before the break. (laughs) Okay. Um, My heart hurts when I hear uh, some of the things that, black people say when they call in because I was there where they are. Like I was telling you, uh, I was there. And so I've lived through so much, but my kids, everybody comes around me. They tell me, they say, auntie, if you can go through what you lived through, I can do anything. I said, you had a black man in the white house. Don't tell me what you can't do. Said, but you got Jesus Christ and he can take you anywhere. And my kids go anywhere. We have vision boards. We have goals. You see, no one can hold you back except yourself. And the only one I can tell people, the white man's not going to let me do anything, so I'm not going to finish school. I lived like a horrible person. But when I found Jesus and he said he could take me to heights I never thought I could get to, and everyone that calls on this phone, everyone that's black men or white black but whatever, nobody owes a black person or white person, we owe it all to Jesus because he died for all of us. And that color is red. That's the color of Amen. red. That's all I want to say. That's all I want to say. Patricia. I'll keep praying for you. Patricia, when when you decide to run for president of the United <laughs> States, I, I want to I want to be your campaign chairman. All right. Okay. God bless. You. God bless you, sweet Bye. lady. You have no idea what a blessing you have been to me. And I think our listeners today, you are displaying the love of Jesus, and that is the ultimate answer to our racial issues. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. God bless you. Thank you for calling. Isn't that sweet? Oh, my goodness. What a sweet, precious spirit. That is the spirit that will destroy racism. It is. That is the spirit that will bring about true equality. God bless her. May her tribe increase. All right. Let's go now to Francine, who is calling from somewhere in Maryland, Francine, thank you so much for being very patient. You've been on hold a long time, 
And I'm grateful that you have, and you are now on the air. Thanks for calling. Uh, yes, Bob. I thank you very much for taking my call. I I do agree with you and Patricia that the love of Jesus is the answer to all of the world's problems. On the other hand, I have to agree with Warren from the last hour. I don't think that he, that he was uh, spewing hatred. I think he was speaking the truth. Now, I don't know where this uh, critical race theory have come from just in the the, the uh, recent days, but I really don't think that the educational system is teaching that that blacks are doomed to failure because of the color of their skins and that whites uh, are the oppressor because of the color of their skins, uh, even though whites have been the oppressor. And I'm very thankful for the strides that have been made, the advances that have been made uh, for blacks in this country. But I will say that if the uh, white evangelicals had been speaking in the same powerful manner uh, concerning uh, ending discrimination, uh, which they are speaking concerning this critical race theory, I think that we would have advanced a whole lot more than what we have now. And I'm very grateful. I'm 71 years old, and I am so very grateful because uh, I, I have been blessed. But I will tell you, in the workforce, if you are black, you have to work harder, much harder, be brighter than the white uh, counterpart in order to uh, to be recognized and acknowledged. And then, it, then you probably still will not uh, receive the you know the same type of uh, uh, economical advancement, but it's just very real. And I think that blacks, all we really want is our um, all we want is our history to be related in the school system. Well, I I, I Which think it is now. I'm I'm, I'm thankful yeah. for that. I, I, it is now, but I, I, I don't I, think that that they're trying to do any more than to. <laughs> Well, relate the history of the blacks. Well, that's, Franc- that's all we want. Francine, let me say this with the utmost kindness and compassion. I believe you're naive. There, there are many, many schools across America, particularly in universities, that are teaching this false narrative of critical race theory. And you're right. It hasn't been around very long. Uh, the late 1980s, it became an intellectual topic in universities and so forth. But it has made its way into the public schools, all the way down to the elementary school. And I give illustrations of it, not on a daily basis, but probably once a week, solid ironclad evidence that this kind of thing is being taught that we judge people by the by the color of their skin and so forth. Now, concerning your, your thoughts about white evangelicals, I think there's a lot of truth to that. The white evangelicals have come along kind of slow on this. But I will never forget 
the Southern Baptist Convention, if you talk about white evangelicals, you you almost have to think of the Southern Baptist Convention. Their annual convention was here in Columbus, Ohio, about, um, it was five or six years ago, and I had the opportunity to go. Tuesday night is always the big night when they bring out the big guys, the big guns, the most famous preachers, and, you know, that's that's the big night. When the convention was here in Columbus, Tuesday night, there were no speakers, there were no preachers. It was prayer. Almost three hours of prayer I attended, and there were thousands who got on their knees, and I mean on their knees, on the concrete floor at the convention center in Columbus. And the primary focus, Francine, that night was racial reconciliation and repenting of past sins of discrimination and bigotry and so forth, and weeping and repenting before God for not doing more for racial equality and, and, and racial reconciliation. So I, I think you're right. The white evangelicals were a little slow coming to the party, but there has been enormous progress made, and I pray that it will continue. I pray that it will continue. And I appreciate your call. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you. God bless you. And uh, by the way, I didn't think Warren, who called in the last hour, was hating, but he was angry. There is no doubt he was angry at white people. I don't think he was hating, but he was sure angry. And uh, that is not going to (laughs) help. It isn't. It, It just is not going to help. All right, my number is 877-BOB-LIVE. We'll return. Today's news, God's Word, and your thoughts. This is Bob Bernie Live. As you, uh, as you can tell from the last hour, race is such a divisive topic, even in the Christian community. And let's face it, White folks don't look at race the same as black folks. We have different backgrounds. We have different experiences and uh, different attitudes. And to ignore that is foolish. But what unites us is what that precious sister, that saint of God who called from, I think, I don't know whether she was in D.C. or Maryland, She's experienced a lot of racism, a lot of prejudice, a lot of bigotry, but she didn't allow it to hold her back or cause her to resent, hate, or even be angry at other people. 
if you look at this thing of race, racism, slavery, um, I think the most applicable portion of Scripture is the story of Joseph. I really believe that is the key to addressing slavery, how white people, black people should deal with the aspect of slavery. The story of Joseph. Now, most of you are familiar with the story. Joseph's brothers were wicked, evil, selfish. All of his brothers but one wanted him dead. They wanted to kill him because he was dad's favorite child. He was the he was the special kid, you know, the coat of many colors and all of that. And the other brothers were jealous and they hated him and they, they even wanted him dead. They didn't kill him. One of the brothers said, No, 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 we 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 can't do that. But let's hey, let's get some money out of him. So they sold him into slavery. Wicked, evil, selfish, narcissistic brothers sold him into slavery because they hated him. And they didn't care if he died in slavery as long as they weren't responsible for it. And you know the story. It's a long-involved story. Joseph is mistreated over and over and over again. He's made a promise by a fellow prisoner, and the prisoner forgets about it. He uh, rises up through the ranks in Potiphar's house, and then Potiphar's wife makes a pass at him completely lies and distorts it, and he's thrown back into prison again because someone lied about him. If there is anybody in Scripture who had a right to be angry, resentful, bitter, it would be Joseph. But he wasn't. He put his faith, trust, and focus upon a sovereign God. And, of course, you know the story. Ultimately, he interpreted the dream of the Pharaoh and was placed second in command in Egypt because of the seven-year drought, well, the seven-year plenty and the seven-year drought and, and so on. And he becomes one of the most powerful people on planet Earth. He rose above all of that. But that didn't change the brothers. And again, you probably remember, because of the great drought, the uh, brothers come to Egypt to buy grain, to buy food. Otherwise, they're going to die. They have no idea what happened to Joseph, and they didn't care. They don't recognize Joseph. Uh, We don't know exactly why. Uh, He spoke Egyptian. He didn't speak Hebrew to them. And probably the way he was dressed and so forth, they didn't recognize they didn't know who he was and joseph treats them with kindness and grace and forgiveness those who sold him into slavery those who did wicked and evil things to him so the slave had no anger towards his oppressor or oppressors in this case. Nothing but grace and forgiveness. And then here's the ultimate take-home. 
The brothers assume that Joseph is treating them nice just because of dad. Dad and the whole family, Jacob and the whole family, moved to Egypt, and they're given this whole part of the land, a beautiful, fertile land. Pharaoh allowed them to have it and gave it to them because of Joseph and so on. And then dad dies. And the brothers think, we are in trouble now. Joseph has treated us nice, saved our lives just because of dad, and now dad is gone. Joseph calls his brothers in, and they assume they're in big trouble. They assume they might be put to death. They assume that Joseph says when they come in, hey, guys, I never forgot what you did to me, and I'm going to make you pay. Like reparations? Yeah. Instead, one of the most beautiful portions in all the Word of God. Joseph looks at his brothers and said, You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You have someone who was a former slave admitting that what happened was bad, wicked, it was evil. But somehow, some way, God meant it for good. I think that is the most applicable portion of Scripture to how we deal with slavery and how a black individual who comes from a history of oppression and bigotry and prejudice. Joseph saw God's hand in it. Did it make those years living as a slave and in prison any easier? No. Did it justify the brothers? No. But Joseph responded with a Christ-like attitude. Forgiveness, grace. Slavery was a horrible thing, and we shouldn't sugarcoat it. But it is in the past. And those who have been impacted by it, as Joseph was, God meant it for good. Like Patricia the sweet lady who called a little while ago. Yeah, she had the Joseph attitude. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.